Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. How many of you want your families to be blessed? Would you raise your hand? I want my family to be blessed. Good. How many of you want your families to be cursed? Let me see. (laughs) Nobody raise their hand. How many of you curse in your families? Where are those people at? Don't raise your hand there either. There's a few of uh, you here. Um, I know that you want your family to be blessed. I know that you want your family to be blessed. And and most people uh, want that. Most people would say, man, that's what I need in our life. If, if I look at my marriage, I look at my children, I look at our family, more than anything, I want the blessing of God on them. I want to raise godly kids. I want to, I want to have a marriage that's godly and goes the distance. I want to have children that love Jesus and serve Him all the days of their lives. I, I want I want that to be true in our home. But I also know in a crowd like this, there are a lot of different types of family units and maybe uh, different situations. You may be in a blended family. You know, it's his kids and her kids and our kids and we're, we're raising their kids. And or maybe it's an adoptive family. Maybe it's a single parent family. Maybe you're the only parent uh, in the home today. Maybe you're just a struggling family. You're just thinking, man, we we look right on the outside, but this ain't it. Not, oftentimes in church we do that. We sort of look around the room and go, man, I wish I had it like they have it. Man, I wish I had my, I wish my family was like that family. I, I wish we had it together like that family. Does anybody do that besides me? I do that. And I, I look around and compare and go, man, if I had it like that, if I, was, if I was good looking like that, man, if we had the opportunity they had, maybe you'll do that. Maybe you look around and think, man, my family would be great if we only had fill in the blank. God has a way of humbling uh, those that think, man, I got this figured out. I got this whole thing going. Things are going pretty good. It happened to Brandy and I just recently. I'll start with a personal story, and, and this is a true story. Not that I lie to you, but <laughs> this is a, a true. And every January, we do what we call 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you've never been uh, to uh, 21 days of prayer, it's a remarkable uh, thing that we do every January, we actually clear the church calendar. We take 21 full days, and Monday through Friday at six o'clock in the morning, we open church and we worship and we go to God's Word and we pray. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of people there. I mean, the place is full. It looks like this on a, uh, at six o'clock in the morning. It's it's really the most amazing. It makes me the most proud as your pastor. And this last January, that's what was going on. We were about halfway through. We were in the second week of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I had been fasting for, uh, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 days, whatever that is, long enough that my caffeine headache went away. Are y'all with me, everybody? And so I was back to being, you could talk to me, you know, uh, in person. And so uh, I was praying. And, and if you've never been here, uh, we have prayer requests that we put on the, uh, th- that we turn in on the weekends and we put those here on the platform. And there are hundreds of prayer requests that are collected over the course of that 21 days. And then as people come at 6 o'clock in the morning in our personal prayer time, we pray over every one of those prayer requests. We actually encourage people, hey, come pick up a handful, and while you're praying at your seat or maybe you're walking around the building, I'm a pacer, and I walk around, and I'll I'll hold those prayer requests and pray for them. And it's really powerful that over the course of 21 days, you know, there there are thousands of prayers prayed for those prayer requests. And And we invite our kids into it. So every Sunday during 21 Days of Prayer, our kids' ministry has a prayer request card and they fill that out and I was uh, uh, praying uh, w- one morning on week two of 21 days and made my way all the way around and I just picked up a handful of City Hills kids prayer requests 
And man, there's nothing that will grab your heart like a prayer request from a child. You know, pray for my dog. He's, you know, ugly or whatever, whatever it is. Or uh, there, nobody prayed for their cat because it doesn't matter. Um, but but what at what you know these pray, you know pray for my and 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 man I'm praying I'm walking about half, and I get about halfway through right there and I, I turn to the other card that I have and I recognize the handwriting and at the top of the name on the prayer request is Henry my little boy eight years old it says Henry Rose and then and then his he's eight years old and he's in second grade and said prayer request and then the biggest boldest print he could possibly print he said pray my parents quit arguing. Now, y'all, y'all had seen that for 10 days, and not one of y'all told me that prayer request was in this pile. People had been praying for this over, so we sat him down like good godly parents, and we told him, we're not arguing. That's spiritual warfare. We're praying really loud when you hear us do that. <laughs> Listen, I promise you it ain't always what it seems to be. You may look around today and think, man, if I had what they had, I could do something different. Man, if my home was like that. No, everybody wants the same thing. We want God to bless our home. Say amen to that. We want God to bless our families. If you have your Bibles, I'm turning to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Matthew 5 begins uh, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus is giving his most famous sermon in Matthew uh, five, he opens up the Sermon on the Mount with what we refer to as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. There are eight uh, characteristics of people who are blessed. There are eight uh, topics that if you want to be blessed, if you want to have blessing in your life, if you want God's blessing on your life, then these are the things that you do. And if you're new to the Bible, maybe you've never heard this, if you've been around You've heard things like blessed are the pure in heart and blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are the persecuted. And, and it gives you this thing. Let me pause here before I read Matthew 5 to you and tell you this. Write this down in your notes if you're taking notes today. If you want to be blessed, you have to do what invites the blessing. That deserves a bigger amen. If you want to be blessed, you have to do the thing that invites the blessing. Now, hang on just a second, Pastor. Are you saying, or is this a, just a kind of church? Are you saying I got to work for it? Look into my eyes. Let me give you a spiritual answer. Yes, you have to work for it. You don't have to work for salvation, but after Jesus paid it all at salvation, you've got to have skin in the game for everything else that you make spiritual progress in your life. The blessings of God, look at me, are not automatic. They are possibilities. This book is full of opportunity and possibility for you to be blessed. Opportunity for your finances to be blessed. Opportunity for your health to be blessed. Opportunity for your marriage to be blessed. Opportunity for your family to be blessed. But you don't get it automatically because you're a Christian. You don't get it automatically because you gave your heart to Jesus. You don't get it automatically because you were raised in church. You don't get it automatically because you're here today. I wish it worked that way. But the blessings of God are not automatic. They are not guaranteed. You're going to have to do something. As a matter of fact, you'll find it all throughout God's Word. God will say, if you, then I. If you'll do this, then I'll do this. 
he, he would tell Israel, if you'll turn your hearts back to me, here's what I'll do. Here's how I'll open up. If you'll give and you'll tithe and put me first, here's how I'll bless your finances. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God, everything else is added to you. There's an if and a then. If you want to be blessed, you got to do what invites the blessing. Say amen to that. So that's the context I want you to read the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, about halfway through, verse 6. If you're there, say amen. It's on the screen anyway. You don't even have to. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Blessed are those who. Read this next sentence out loud. Blessed are those who do what? Hunger and thirst for what will happen. We're going to try that again. We're going to read it out loud like we went to a good private university. Come on, everybody. We're going to read it like we didn't go to Texas, like we went to Arkansas, a good school. Come on, say it out loud. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There you go. What's our role? Hunger and thirst. What's God's role? Filling you. Hunger and thirst is my role. God does what I can't do. He fills me up with blessing. How many of you want that in your life? I want to I build up family. Just two of us? God bless you both. Me and you are getting all we can get, brother. I want to be filled up in my life. Imagine your family filled up with the fruit of the Spirit. Imagine your home filled up with love. Imagine your home filled up with peace and not yelling and cussing and fussing. Imagine your home filled up with gentleness and the way that you talk to one another. Imagine your home filled up with goodness. I don't even know if we say goodness, but I want goodness in my life. I want, I want self-control and kind. I want joy in my home. Say amen to that. This is a joy-filled kind of church. As a matter of fact, it's one of our core values that we choose joy. We don't wait on the sun to shine. We bring the sunshine when we walk in. That's the kind of church we are, and that's the kind of family we are. Let me give you a little behind the scenes of our family, how I ask the Lord to fill our family with joy. This isn't all the ways. Some of the ways are my business, all right? But one of the ways is this. We are a white people dancing, dance party kind of family. Is anybody else a dance party kind of family? I'm proud of it. I love that we do it. We have some Bluetooth speakers. We open up the day this way. My children, I have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. They were just born in what they referred to as the 2000s, and I was born in what they referred to as the 1900s. But my babies know good hip-hop comes from the 1900s, everybody. They know East Coast rap is the best rap. My kids don't know how to spell Bismarcky, but they know this. Oh, baby, you. They say, oh, baby, you. Friend, you say, y'all don't stop. <laughs> There's some good, godly people who are like, honey, I don't think this is our church. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I think we'd look for another church. <laughs> 
My kid, we are dance partying kind of kids to Biz Markey. Why? Because I want joy in our home. Listen, they're going to go to school where there's hell and demonic forces and there's culture wars and people are out for their souls. I want them to know serving God gets our family full of joy in this home. Some of you, your dog would fall over dead if you just started laughing around the house. Your cat should anyway. But if your dog just stop, that's the last one. It's the last cat joke I got. You ought to have a hope. Come on, I want joy in my house. I want the fruit of the Spirit. Are you with me, everybody? I want Him to fill my house with the fruit of the Spirit. The way that happens is if I hunger. And God's role is filling. My role is hunger. God's job is to give me everything I need. My job is to create an appetite for the things of God. In your house, what do you hunger for? In your family, what do you hunger for? You say, Pastor, how do I know what we hunger for? I'll give you two things. I didn't put it on the screen, but write it in your notes. You can tell what your family and your home hungers for by what gets your time and what gets your money. Whatever gets your time and whatever gets your money is where your hunger lies. Some of y'all, your hunger lies at Krispy Kreme. Come on, somebody. Where my hunger, I tell single adults this. You want to know what she's about? You want to know what he's about? If I want to know what your family's about, show me your calendar and your checkbook and I'll show you what you hunger for. Show me where you spend your time and your energy and where you spend your money and I'll show you what you hunger for. If we ask your kids, what would they say you hunger for? If we ask your spouse, what's your family hunger for? Is it image? Is it popularity? Is it winning the ball game? Is it money? Is it status? Is it being the best? Is it comfort? What are, you, what are you hungry for? In our family, what are we going after? What's the center of our family? What are we hungry for? You need to ask that question today on Mother's Day. What does our family hunger for? If we want the blessing of God, we've got to hunger for a certain thing. If we want God to bless everything we have, we've we got to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what invites the blessing of the Lord into our family. Let me give you what doesn't work. I've asked myself, why do families not hunger and thirst for righteousness more? I'll tell you why. Because I think they have two lenses that you're looking through that maybe you were raised with and it's not working. Let me give you the first one. Write this in your notes. Two things that don't work. The first one is legalistic Christianity doesn't work. Legalistic Christianity doesn't work. Well, we'll just have a bunch of rules. And if we have rules that are strong enough, then, then we'll be a righteous family. Nothing wrong with boundaries. As a matter of fact, next week I'm going I'm to teach you. Parents, mom and dads, look into my eyes. It is our job to draw the lines. It is our, somebody came to me and said, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? It's your house. 
What do you mean? What are you supposed? You're supposed to draw the lines. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to protect your family. Can I get a better amen with that? But look at me. You can make all the rules you want. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't chew. Don't have sex. Don't watch that. Don't go. Don't don't play cards. Don't dance. Don't have fun. Don't smile. You can tell them to do anything you want to do. But write this in your notes. If you just have rules without relationship, it will lead you to rebellion. Rules, that's, this is legalism defined. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And some of us, this is your story. You were raised in a home that was a Christian family, had a lot of rules, but you didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so you spent your teenage life or maybe your 20s or maybe even past that rebelling against how you were raised. Not because you didn't have strict enough rules, but because the rules didn't have relationship attached to them. I don't have a ton of advice for parents. I'm still raising kids myself. But let me tell you, I know this. You've got to have relationship. You cannot legislate their hearts. You cannot legislate your home. But you can create an appetite for the things of God in your home. I'm preaching, I'm, I've already decided I'm holding a third service and preaching this right by myself so I can amen me better than you are. You can create an appetite for righteousness in your home. Say amen to that. I want that in my life because I want the blessing of God on my life. I want the blessing of God on my two children. I want the blessing of God on my marriage. In about 10 years, my kids will both be over the age of 18. They'll be at a quality SEC school somewhere, making money. Come on, in Jesus' name, full ride scholarships. I'm just talking out loud right now. And i got to live with that woman for 30, 40 years after that. I want a blessed marriage. I want to be a blessed old brother. I still want to be dancing at 80 and 90. And I I want the blessing of God. How do you want the blessing of God in your life? You cannot have just rules. You've got to have an appetite change in our home so that we invite the blessing of God on our home. Are you still there? Say amen. Legalistic Christianity doesn't work. I'll calm down. Next week it's going to be calm. I may use a chalkboard next week. I mean, that's just going to be... I'm not. I won't. Legalistic Christianity, number two. Let me give you the second thing that doesn't work. Lukewarm Christianity doesn't work either. There are two ditches on the side of this road. One of them is legalism. The other one is lukewarmness. If legalistic Christianity doesn't work, neither does lukewarm Christianity. That's where you say you're one thing, but you live like another thing. That's where you can't fully decide whether we're going, I, I, I don't know. That's where you take notes in, uh, in church on Sunday, but you gossip about the church at lunch on Sunday. Not y'all, but the 930 service, I had to deal with that. that, that that's where you share Bible verses in your family text, but you cuss your coworkers out when you see them. On, it's lukewarm. It's not really serving God completely. It's just Christian in name only. It isn't really affecting your heart. It isn't really who you really are behind closed doors. It's just lukewarm. It's, 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 I, I, if we feel like it, 
I'll pray if I want to. We'll go to church if we wake up on time. I'll serve if it's convenient. I'll get to in a small group if I can find time. It's just lukewarm in your life. And legalism will not get the blessing of God. It isn't working in your family. And neither will lukewarmness. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it like this in Revelation 3.15. Jesus said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold and you're not hot, and I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, Jesus said, I don't want anything to do with you. According to Jesus, looking in my eyes, it would be better for you to say, we're not that. We're not a Christian family. We're not a Christian home. We're, we're, we're not people of faith. It would be better for you to be completely cold it would be better for you to just completely reject God than it would be for you to pretend to be something on Sunday and not live like it on Monday. Are you still there? Everybody say amen to that. Those two things don't work. Lukewarm doesn't work. Legalism doesn't work. So what does work? I'm glad you asked. Write this in your notes. I'm not telling you this is my one silver bullet for the whole series, but I am telling you this is the thesis that we'll work from. That the world has changed so rapidly that it is not enough to say we're Christians. We're a Christian family. Write this down like this. We are not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home. We are not just Christian family. We're not just cultural Christians. It's not just if it fits. If we can, people need to hear that from us. We moved to a small community. We want to be Christian. No, you got to decide. Listen to me. Look at me. I'm not a doomsday preacher, but I'm telling you the time is coming. Yay, it may already be here. When it's not enough to profess Christianity, you got to decide in this home we serve Jesus and Him alone. This is a Christ-centered home. He gets everything of me. Jesus is not part of my home. He's the center of my home. God's house doesn't have to fit into my schedule. It's the center of my schedule. I go to church even when I don't, the alarm doesn't go off. It's the center of my home. It's not in addition to all the other stuff I do. It's not about guilt. It's not about shame. We are not Christian in name only. We are a Christ-centered family. We teach our children this way. We don't have separate lives. Cats have nine lives. Cats go to hell. That's in the Bible. No, I don't know that that's in the Bible. We're not cats. We don't have nine lives. Well, that's my spiritual life, and that's my church life, and that's my sports life, and that's my school life, and that's my family life, and that's my marriage life. You're not a cat. You don't have all that. You got one life, and that's it. And whatever you make the center of this one life is who you worship. It's what your life is all about. And everything else in our lives revolve around one life. We've decided we are a Christ-centered home. 
Can my kids be in sports? You bet they can. But sports don't come first. Jesus comes first. Do I want my kids to excel at school? You bet I do. But school doesn't come first. Jesus comes first. Do, do, do I want to make money and, and be financially secure? You bet we are. Nothing wrong with any of that. But money isn't first. Status isn't first. Cars aren't first. Trucks aren't first. Homes aren't first. Jesus is the center of my life. Shout amen to that. That's why David said in Psalm 63, You God are my God. You, God, are my God. Let me pause here and look at you. You need to have a personal, vibrant, life-giving, spirit-empowered relationship with God. You, God, are my God. And earnestly, I seek you. And I thirst for you. And my whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, it's I. I, it starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with you. I seek God. I thirst after God. I long for God. But what if I gave you the family translation? As a matter of fact, you need to circle this verse in your Bible. You need to write it down. You need to make a different translation and write it in calligraphy and put it on your mirror. You need to write it like this. You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. And we thirst for you. And our whole family longs for you. You, God, are our God. We seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. Come on, say that out loud. You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. We thirst for you. And our whole family longs for you. My truck isn't my God. Our home isn't our God. Our money isn't our God. Instagram followers are not our God. My travel sports team is not my God. Nothing takes the place of God in our home. I'm just giving you a foundation. It's going to get harder after this. But I'm going to give you a foundation. you got to be a Christ-centered family. It's not enough to be a Christian family. We want to be Christ-centered. So let me give you three ways to create a hunger for God. Let me give you three ways to create a hunger for God in your life. If you're taking notes, somebody come play so that feels like I'm closing. I'm not, but I just want it to feel that way. <laughs> three ways to create a hunger for God in your family. Number one, these are not exhaustive. This isn't everything. I'm just telling you, here's what I found will help to create a hunger for God in your family. Number one, involve God in your daily conversations. Talk about the Lord often. Talk about how good God is. Talk about how God works. Talk about faith. Talk about questions you have. Talk about Bible stories that you're reading. Talk about God. Involve God in your daily conversations. We talk about it all the time. It's part of our normal vernacular in our home to talk about the Lord. When something comes into our life, when we're blessed, when there's a blessing that comes, when I get a new truck or Brandy gets a new vehicle or we buy a new home or there's a promotion or something there, uh, something happens. When we take vacation, we, we never say, we never say in our home, well, look what mama did. Look what daddy did. No, we always say, isn't God good? Look how God blessed our family. God is our provider. God provided this for us. God came through. Involve Him in your daily conversations. 
Deuteronomy 6 and 4. If you were an Orthodox Jew, Deuteronomy 6 and 4 is called the Shema. In English, it goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. When you walk in and out of an Orthodox Jewish home, there's a little box on the doorpost that's called a mezuzah. They touch that mezuzah on the way in and on the way out. And inside of that mezuzah is Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You read a few verses down, and God gives very specific instruction to the people of Israel that it's not enough for you to believe it. you got to teach it to your children. The Bible says talk about it when you get up and when you lay down and when you're sitting at the table. Talk about it. Talk about the goodness of God. Talk about how good God is. Talk about your small group. Talk about, talk about how much you love your church. Talk about how much you love your pastor and how funny he is. I'm just giving you some ideas. Involve God in your daily conversations. It'll create a hunger in your home. Number two, you've got to make church non-negotiable. You've got to make church non-negotiable. I've tiptoed around this for a long time. I'm done tiptoeing around it. I'm going to look you in the eyes and tell you. Church should be non-negotiable. We are entering a time in human history where the gathering of the saints has never been more important. Church should be non-negotiable. Your children should not wonder, I wonder if we're going this week. If this week's got a Sunday, we're going to church. It's non-negotiable. Sundays are Saturday night decisions. They're Saturday night decisions. You just got to decide on Saturday night. No, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what the week's been. It doesn't matter how hard it's been. It doesn't matter how difficult my job is. It doesn't matter how tired we are. We've made a commitment. Church is non-negotiable. Look at me in the eyes. Parents, I, I, again, I'm not done raising my kids. Don't take this harshly. I just want you to hear me. If church is non-negotiable, then other stuff in their life will soon become non-negotiable. It'll become negotiable. If, if you negotiate going to church, if you decide, well, maybe we will, maybe we won't, there's going to be some other stuff in their life, they'll start negotiating. Maybe that's true, maybe that isn't true. Maybe God's real, maybe God isn't real. Maybe faith matters, maybe faith doesn't matter. You need to make church non-negotiable. My children love this place. I'm telling you, nothing makes them happier to coming to God's house. I want it to be that way for the rest of their lives. We bring them along with us. They serve with us. They love it. Church is non. We go to church all the time. We go to church. Listen, when we're on vacation this summer, we're going to take a few weeks off. I love y'all, but I love them more than I love y'all. And so if you want me to be your pastor for a long time and not a short time, we're going to take a couple of weeks off. And I'm going to have to, we, we got to work on us. Is that okay, everybody, with everybody? I'm just warning you what's coming this summer. But when we go on vacation, when we take a few weeks off, look into my eyes. When my kids come back to this church, ask them, where'd you go to church? And I promise you, we'll find some beach little church somewhere, some little thatch roof. We'll find something, some, we're going to be in church because it's non-negotiable. We are, we're not just Christian in name only. We're a Christ-centered family we got a hunger for righteousness I want to create an appetite in my family for the things of God and one way I can do that is make church non-negotiable number three here's the last thing <laughs> you got to show them how serving the Lord and seeking God is a good time it, it's not a drag 
I don't have to serve. Well, we got to get up early. You know, mom's got to go sing today. Well, I got to be at rehearsal. Well, we've got to do this. Well, you know, I'm an usher today, so dad's got to leave 15 minutes early so that I can get to the church to hold the door. People can't find their own seats. Well, I got to teach in Sunday school today. This is terrible. I hate it. Them snotty nosed little kids. I don't even like them. I don't even like y'all. And now I'm teaching other kids, and this is awful. Well, here we are. I guess we'll tithe. I guess we'll do it. I, I, I might as well. I mean, I, nothing else is where I guess I'll put God first. I guess I'll do No. Yeah, listen, I don't want to serve that kind of God, and neither do your children, by the way. They need to know serving God is the best life. This is the best way to live. This is the most fun we have. You've got to build it into your family. This is something we get to do. Pray all the time. Talk about God all the time. We pray over the popcorn at the movie theater. Now, partly because it's the Bernie movie theater and you've got to pray over that stuff, okay? But also because we, <laughs> we just want to involve that. Listen, it's light and fun. And we, I just want them to know seeking God isn't a have to, it's a get to. Hungering after righteousness isn't an obligation. It's a privilege that we have to serve God. It's a privilege God chose us. It's an honor to build the house. It's an honor to serve the Lord. Can I get a better amen, everybody? Stand up with your family. Come on, I'm done. Grab your family around your arms. Come on, put your arms around them. Take them by the hand. Every family in the room. If you came today alone, find some stranger. This would be a good time to meet somebody. <laughs> Come on, band. We're going to sing and worship the Lord. Grab your family. You say, Pastor, I can't do this. Our family's too broken. We've gone too far. Things are too out of balance. Look at me. You can do it. It's a choice you can make on Mother's Day. Joshua 24 and 15 says, Then choose for yourself this day who you'll serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me, just squeeze your family, bow your heads and pray that prayer over them. Father, I thank you for our family. Thank you for Brandy and Hazel and Henry. Thank you God that you've given us a family and you've trusted us with God's family and God, I just pray today a blessing over every mom, dad, husband, wife, single adult, child, young person, young adult. God, I just speak blessing into them. I pray for a hunger. Come on. Come on, dad and mom. Pray that way over your family. God, give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. God, give us a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. God, that you're the center of our family. You're not an accessory. You're not a Sunday only. This isn't just something we added to. No, this is who we are. God, I pray for mothers in the room. I pray for grandmothers, aunts. I pray for people who are struggling right now in their relationships. God, let healing and restoration come. God, I pray specifically for mothers who are, who are struggling with their children right now. I pray for moms who can't have babies right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, open up their wombs. Bless them with children. Bless their family. Bless them with legacy and children and grandchildren. God, I thank you for the opportunity. God, I give my family back to you. Come on, do that right now. Rededicate your whole family to the Lord. God, I give them to you. I make you the center of our home. God, I give you my adult children. Come on, pray your grandchildren. God, I just give them to you. Lord, you're the God of our family. You're the God of this home. Nothing else takes your place. I thank you for that privilege. 
thank you for the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout a big amen. Come on, do you receive the word of the Lord? Give him praise for his word. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.